and welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. I'm Eric Wagoner. Today I'll be reading The Singing Springing Lark. Once upon a time there was a man who was about to go on a long journey, and right before his departure he asked his three daughters what he should bring back to them. The oldest wanted pearls, the second diamonds, but the third said, Dear father, I'd like to have a singing, springing lark. All right, said the father. If I can get one, you shall have it. So he kissed all three daughters goodbye and went on his way. When the time came for his return journey, he had purchased pearls and diamonds for the two oldest, but even though he had looked all over, he had not been able to find the singing, springing lark for his youngest daughter. He was particularly sorry about that, because she was his favorite. In the meantime, his way took him through a forest, in the middle of which he discovered a magnificent castle. Near the castle was a tree, and way on top of this tree he saw a lark singing and springing about. "'Well, you've come at just the right time,' he said, quite pleased, and he ordered his servant to climb the tree and catch the little bird. But when the servant went over to the tree, a lion jumped out from under it, shook himself, and roared so ferociously that the leaves on the trees trembled. "'If anyone tries to steal my singing, springing lark,' he cried, "'I'll eat him up.' "'I didn't know that the bird belonged to you,' said the man. "'I'll make up for my trespassing and give you a great deal of gold, if only you'll spare my life.' "'Nothing can save you,' said the lion, "'unless you promise to give me the first thing you meet when you get home.' If you agree, then I'll not only grant you your life, but I'll also give you the bird for your daughter. At first the man refused and said, That could be my youngest daughter. She loves me most of all and always runs to meet me when I return home. But the servant was very scared of the lion and said, It doesn't always have to be your daughter. Maybe it'll be a cat or a dog. The man let himself be persuaded and took the singing springing lark. Then he promised the lion that he would give him the first thing that met him when he got home. Upon reaching his house, he walked inside, and the first thing that met him was none other than his youngest and dearest daughter. She came running up to him, threw her arms around him, and kissed him. When she saw that he had brought her a singing, springing lark, she was overcome with joy, but her father could not rejoice and began to cry. "'My dearest child,' he said, I've had to pay a high price for this bird. In exchange, I was compelled to promise you to a wild lion, and when he gets you, he'll tear you to pieces and eat you up. Then he went on to tell her exactly how everything had happened and begged her not to go there, no matter what the consequences might be. Yet she consoled him and said, Dearest father, if you've made a promise, you must keep it. I'll go there, and once I've made the lion nice and tame, I'll come back here safe and sound. The next morning she had her father show her the way. Then she took leave of him and walked calmly into the forest. Now, it turned out that the lion was actually an enchanted prince. During the day he and his men were lions, and during the night they assumed their true human form. When she arrived there she was welcomed in a friendly way, and they conducted her to the castle. When night came, the lion became a handsome man, and the wedding was celebrated in splendor. They lived happily together by remaining awake at night and asleep during the day. One day he came to her and said, 
Tomorrow there will be a celebration at your father's house, since your oldest sister is to be married. If you wish to attend, my lions will escort you there. She replied that yes, she would very much like to see her father again, and she went there accompanied by lions. There was a great rejoicing when she arrived, for they had all believed that she had been torn to pieces by the lions and had long been dead. But she told them what a handsome husband she had and how well off she was. She stayed with them just as long as the wedding celebration lasted. Then she went back to the forest. When the second daughter was about to be married, she was again invited to the wedding. But this time she said to the lion, I don't want to go without you. However, the lion said it would be too dangerous for him, because he would be changed into a dove and have to fly about with the doves for seven years if the ray of a burning candle were to fall upon him. Please come with me, she said. I'll be sure to take good care of you and protect you from the light. So they went off together and took their small child with them. Once there, she had a hall built for him, so strong and thick that not a single ray of light could penetrate it. That was the place where he was to sit when the wedding candles were lit. However, its door was made out of green wood, and it split and developed a crack that nobody saw. The wedding was celebrated in splendor, but when the wedding procession with all the candles and torches came back from the church and passed by the hall, a ray about the width of a hair fell upon the prince, and he was instantly transformed. When his wife entered the hall to look for him, she could find only a white dove sitting there, and he said to her, For seven years I shall have to fly about the world, but for every seven steps you take I shall leave a drop of red blood and a little white feather to show you the way. And, if you follow the traces, you'll be able to set me free. Then the dove flew out the door, and she followed him. At every seventh step she took, a drop of blood and a little white feather would fall and show her the way. Thus she went farther and farther into the wide world, and never looked about or stopped until the seven years were almost up. She was looking forward to that, and thought they would soon be free, but they were still quite far from their goal. Once, as she was moving along, she failed to find any more feathers or drops of blood, and when she raised her head, the dove had also vanished. I won't be able to get help from a mortal, she thought, and so she climbed up to the sun and said to her, You shine into every nook and cranny. Is there any chance that you've seen a white dove flying around? No, said the sun, I haven't, but I'll give you a little casket. Just open it when your need is greatest. She thanked the sun and continued on her way until the moon came out to shine in the evening. You shine the whole night through and on all the fields and meadows. Is there any chance that you've seen a white dove flying around? No, said the moon, I haven't, but I'll give you an egg. Just crack it open when your need is greatest. She thanked the moon and went farther until the night wind stirred and started to blow at her. You blow over every tree and under every leaf. Is there any chance that you've seen a white dove flying around? No, said the night wind, I haven't. But I'll ask the three other winds. Perhaps they've seen one. The east wind and the west wind came and reported that they had not seen a thing. But the south wind said, I've seen the white dove. It's flown to the Red Sea and has become a lion again, for the seven years are over. The lion's now in the midst of a fight with a dragon that's really an enchanted princess. Then the night wind said to her, Here's what I would advise you to do. Go to the Red Sea, 
where you'll find some tall reeds growing along the shore. Then count them until you come to the eleventh one, which you'll cut off and use to strike the dragon. That done, the lion will be able to conquer the dragon, and both will regain their human form. After that, look around, and you'll see the griffin sitting by the Red Sea. Get on his back with your beloved, and the griffin will carry you home across the sea. Now, here's a nut for you. When you cross over the middle of the sea, let it drop. A nut tree will instantly sprout up out of the water, and the griffin will be able to rest on it. If he can't rest there, he won't be strong enough to carry you both across the sea. So, if you forget to drop the nut into the sea, he'll let you fall into the water. She went there and found everything as the night wind had said. She counted the reeds by the sea, cut off the eleventh, and struck the dragon with it. Whereupon the lion conquered the dragon, and both immediately regained their human form. But when the princess, who had previously been a dragon, was set free from the magic spell, she picked the prince up in her arms, got on the griffin, and carried him off with her. So the poor maiden, who had journeyed so far, stood alone and forsaken again, and sat down to cry. Eventually she took heart and said, I'll keep going as far as the wind blows, and so long as the cock crows until I find him. And off she went and wandered a long, long way, until she came to the castle where the two were living together. Then she heard that their wedding celebration was soon to take place. God will still come to my aid, she remarked, as she opened the little casket that the sun had given her. There she found a dress as radiant as the sun itself. She took it out, put it on, and went up to the castle. Everyone at the court and the bride herself could not believe their eyes. The bride liked the dress so much that she thought it would be nice to have for her wedding and asked if she could buy it. Not for money or property, she answered, but for flesh and blood. The bride asked her what she meant by that, and she responded, Let me sleep one night in the bridegroom's room. The bride did not want to let her, but she also wanted the dress very much. Finally, she agreed, but the bridegroom's servant was obliged to give him a sleeping potion. That night, when the prince was asleep, she was led into his room, sat down on the bed, and said, I've followed you for seven years. I went to the sun, the moon, and the four winds to find out where you were. I helped you conquer the dragon. Are you going to forget me forever? But the prince slept so soundly that it merely seemed to him as if the wind were whispering in the firs. When morning came, she was let out again and had to give up her golden dress. Since her ploy had not been of much use, she was quite sad and went out to a meadow where she sat down and wept. But as she was sitting there, she remembered the egg that the moon had given her. She cracked it open, and a hen with twelve chicks came out, all in gold. The peeping chicks scampered about and then crawled under the mother hen's wings. There was not a lovelier sight to see in the world. Shortly after that, she stood up and drove them ahead of her over the meadow until they came within sight of the bride, who saw them from her window. She liked the little chicks so much that she came right down and asked if she could buy them. Not with money or possessions, but for flesh and blood, let me sleep another night in the bridegroom's room. The bride agreed and wanted to trick her as she had done the night before, but when the prince went to bed, he asked his servant what had caused all the murmuring and rustling during the night, and the servant told him everything. 
that he had been compelled to give him a sleeping potion because a poor girl had secretly slept in his room, and that he was supposed to give him another one that night. Dump the drink by the side of my bed, said the prince. At night the maiden was led in again, and when she began to talk about her sad plight, he immediately recognized his dear wife by her voice, jumped up, and exclaimed, Now I'm really free from the spell. It was all like a dream. The strange princess had cast a spell over me and made me forget you, but God has delivered me from the spell just in time. That night they left this castle in secret, for they were afraid of the princess's father, who was a sorcerer. They got on the griffin, who carried them over the Red Sea, and when they were in the middle, she let the nut drop. Immediately a big nut tree sprouted, and the griffin was able to rest there. Then he carried them home, where they found their child, who had grown tall and handsome. From then on they lived happily until their death. The End The Brothers Grimm Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. Download it and share it all you'd like, but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Sipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, grimlunch.org, where you can also leave comments or subscribe through iTunes. And if you're in iTunes, would you mind leaving a review or clicking on stars to give this podcast a rating? It helps other people find the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you.